Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 17 of Genesis chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse 10. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove which returned not again unto him any more. In our last study, we were looking at verse 10, and the word stayed, we saw, has to do with being in pain or travailing in childbirth. And we also saw that the word other, uh, as it says, yet other seven days, relates to the earlier seven-day period that we read about in Genesis 7, the seven days of warning, preparation before God shut the door of the ark. Yet seven days, and I'll bring the flood. For instance, why another seven-day period is in view in verse 10, why didn't God just say it this way? And he stayed yet seven days. We know the previous time period mentioned was 40 days. There is no seven-day period in this context. So why say he stayed yet other seven days? And that word other can be understood to mean another period of the same time span. Just as in verse 12, and he stayed yet other seven days. Now verse 12 is understandable because Verse 10 was a seven-day period, and verse 12 is another seven-day period. But, again, the only way of understanding the word other in verse 10 is when we recognize that it points back to yet seven days of Genesis 7, verse 4. And, as we mention, uh, God waited long-sufferingly for seven days until shutting the door of the ark, or for 7,000 years. And now, in these days after the tribulation, in Judgment Day, the Lord is saying it's necessary for the people of God to wait yet other, another seven-day period. Now, the uh, this is in 7,000 years. It's just a statement that identifies with the time period after the tribulation in the day of judgment until the new earth is prepared and and created and and so uh, the people of God are waiting for the transformation the deliverance of their physical bodies the first 7 day period identified with the deliverance from the soul this 7 day period with the deliverance from the body okay so then noah sends forth the dove Again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And as we've been 
saying, and as the Bible teaches, the dove represents the Holy Spirit. And so we should ask the question, since the dove is sent forth out of the ark, and the dove represents the Spirit, does that mean that those in the ark no longer have the Spirit? They no longer have the Holy Spirit because it has gone out? And no, no, it doesn't mean that, because there's still at least one dove on board the ark. God brought all the animals into the ark, the male and the female. And and so, uh, even though God the Holy Spirit's going forth, a dove, uh, typified by the dove, a dove remains in the ark with Noah, his family, and all the living creatures there. And so, it's really showing how uh, the Spirit, which the dove typifies, is eternal God, and God is everywhere present, omnipresent, and and so it's no difficulty at all. All right, in verse 11, after sending forth the dove again out of the ark, it says in verse 11, And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated, from off the earth. And the dove has returned once again. The dove had gone out. The first time could find no rest for the sole of her feet. She came back. Noah stayed or was in pain, in travail for seven days, another seven-day period. And then he sends out the dove again. This time she returns with uh, a bit of evidence. It's an olive leaf plucked off. Now, obviously, if the olive trees, if they were still underwater, the dove would not be able to have found that leaf. And not only does God tell us that the dove found the leaf, but she plucked off the leaf. So she did not find a leaf floating on the surface of the water, you know, due to the flood, branches broke and the leaves were set free and and she just found an olive leaf floating on the surface of the water. No, very specifically, God says she found an olive leaf plucked off. And the language indicates that the dove went to an olive tree and took the leaf off of the tree. And and so it's not just the leaf that she found, but she found the whole tree. There, there was an olive tree somewhere out there as the dove flew out the window of the ark. And remember, the ark has been sitting upon Mount Ararat, and the tops of the mountains were seen a while back. Then... There was a 40-day period, and the dove was sent out, and on a nearby mountaintop or range, uh, the, the water has gone down now. Uh, after 40 days, uh, another, there was this now a seven-day period, so it's over a month and a half since the top of the mountains were seen, and so some of the trees along a mountaintop range, which would not have had 
You know, when we we think of the water rising 15 cubits above the highest mountain, and and then you think of the grasslands and and the forests and the trees that are down in the valleys, they would have had tremendous pressure upon them. And it's very hard to imagine that so soon after the flood that that you could find an intact tree. But on, on a high mountain range, yes, there would have been water that went over the highest mountain and, and it would have been underneath, but it wouldn't have had, um, great amounts of pressure upon it. And now as the water comes down, it, it's possible that some trees survive the flood. They, they could be badly damaged. You know, we don't have to necessarily think this olive tree is in excellent condition, but it was an olive tree. It had branches and it had leaves on the branches and the dove saw it, landed upon it and plucked off an olive leaf and flew back conveniently. <laughs> of course, God was directing the dove the dove is not the actual Holy Spirit. It's just a bird. It's just one of God's creatures. But God can move his creatures to accomplish his will. We saw that with the big fish in the book of Jonah. God arranged for the big fish to be at the exact spot it needed to be when Jonah was cast overboard and to swallow him up, to keep him for the specified amount of time that God and his holy word, the Bible, required, three days and three nights, and then immediately vomit him out. So the creature performed the will of the creator. God is in control of the creation. And and he's certainly in control of this dove and its movements. It's flying about and then... The dove noticed a tree, flew down upon it, and um, maybe there was just a few branches with a few leaves remaining. Maybe the tree did not look all that good, but the dove plucked off a leaf and then flew back and came into Noah in the evening and Lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. And and Noah noticed the leaf. He perhaps maybe would have taken it out of the dove's mouth and shown it to his wife and to his sons and their wives. Look, everyone, an olive leaf. The dove found an olive tree and it plucked off this leaf. So the water has gone down tremendously and and they could have been encouraged because it was tangible evidence. It, it was something they could see and hold on to and as a result, know. That, that's why it says in the end of verse 11, so Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth as he perhaps held on to this leaf and showed that around, you know, they only had a, a window, a small window for all all we know. Well, uh, maybe God gives the dimensions of the window, but but certainly they only had a window open 
to view the outside world and, and it gave a limited area in which they could see out. But now the dove, once out the window, was not limited. It could fly anywhere and it came back with proof of something that exists on dry land. You don't find olive trees in the ocean. No, they're on dry land. And and therefore, it was proof of the earth returning. The second earth, as the Bible speaks of it, typifying the new earth. The new heaven, the new earth, the promised land, the thing the Bible has spoken of for thousands of years, here was genuine evidence of it. Now, we um, should take a look at this historical event in a little bit more detail, and let's ask the question, we know the dove went out and came back and had the olive leaf plucked off in her mouth. God's in control of what happened. The Lord is the one that directed the dove to the olive tree to take the leaf. But why did God direct the dove to an olive tree? Couldn't there have been a fig tree or a palm tree or some other kind of tree? There's numerous trees. Why did the Lord direct this creature to fly to an olive tree and return with an olive leaf? Well, uh, of course, the, we, we can find the answer to that question when we follow the Bible's methodology as the Lord defines his own words and terms uh, through the comparison of Scripture. And we we find this same word translated as olive in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. It says, And it shall be, when Jehovah thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. And I'll I'll stop there. But we see that verse 10 is speaking of the time when Jehovah shall have brought thee into the land which he sware to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promised land, that at that time uh, you will find vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. And here we see in this context, after the flood, the waters are receding and the dove goes forth and returns with an olive leaf that comes, of course, from an olive tree. And it was a tree that Noah and his family did not plant. It was a tree already established in the land that they will very shortly inhabit. They will come out of the ark. 
They will set foot on dry ground and they will inhabit the land and the first sign, the first indicator that God gives. Well, actually that's not true. We know the tops of the mountains were seen, which was an early indicator that a, a, a new earth was taking shape. And uh, actually as Noah stayed yet seven days, that word in pain and travail as uh, it was used in Proverbs chapter 8 concerning, no, I'm sorry, Psalm 90, in the first two verses of Psalm 90, concerning how the mountains were brought forth. And and that's the word. And so as the mountains began to appear, it's as though a new kingdom of God, a new earth is emerging. It's coming into existence. And Yes, that was all evidence, but this is the first bit of substantial physical evidence that is being provided to those on board the ark. Here is a leaf from a tree, and it's an olive tree. And an olive tree is the kind of tree that God says you will find when Jehovah brings you into the land. Notice here in Deuteronomy 6, vineyards are mentioned, but it's the only kind of tree is the olive tree that's mentioned to identify with the promised land. Or go over to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and in Deuteronomy 8, beginning in verse 7, it says, For Jehovah thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey. Oil, olive comes from the olive tree. And and actually, oil in the Bible identifies with the Holy Spirit. And it, it also relates to the daily or the light that was to be ever kept burning, it, it would burn with oil and and come from the olive tree. And, and so the olive tree is very significant. It represents the kingdom of God. It identifies with the promised land. And so it's no wonder, it's not surprising at all, that as we've been saying, as we've been looking at the spiritual meaning of this passage in Genesis chapter 8, and the dove comes out at first and and goes upon the face of the waters. It, It had to do that just as in the early creation, the Spirit moved upon the waters. And we saw that uh, it also relates to the baptism and, and the coming up out of the water. As the earth is coming up out of the water and it's a new creation, or at least that's what it figures. And so it is typifying the fulfillment of the promise that God has given of long ago in ancient times for millennium, the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of an eternal dwelling place, an eternal possession for them and their seed, Christ. 
and those in Christ that are counted for the seed. It is really a wonderful, beautiful picture that God is drawing for us as he's giving this spiritual illustration of a formation of the promise, new heaven and new earth. Uh, You know, I, I don't know if there's quite another chapter in the Bible like this chapter where, uh, yes, there's Revelation 21 and 22 that describes a, a glorious holy city and and gives us incredible descriptions of a, a place where there's no more death and pain and so forth, but there's no place, as far as I'm aware, that's in the Bible where... God is describing the actual transformation. He is going into detail from the movement from the old earth to the new earth, from judgment day to the eternal day of eternity future. And that's what we're actually seeing here, I think, in Genesis 8, as Noah and his family are going through the floodwaters, going through that baptism according to 1 Peter 3, verse 20 and 21, remember, the water that saved them, the like figure which even now baptism. And they're passing through the water to rise up as Christ was baptized by John the Baptist and came up out of the water and, and then the father says, Behold my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. All the elect are following suit, following the pattern. They will soon come forth, and on board the ark are the creatures, not clean creatures, that typify the creation, the the earth. They're, they're the highest form of creature apart from man. And... They are going to come out. They are going to exit the ark into the new earth. And so the creation that has been groaning and travailing in pain together until now, uh, looking for that deliverance, which is language of salvation, is also in view. God has a certain love for his creation. and And so... He is giving us a glimpse into its glorious transformation from the old to the new. And uh, really, it, it's um, uh, an incredible chapter. Uh, I, you know, just, I think I mentioned this before, uh, uh, but to be honest, I was not looking forward too much to um going through Genesis chapter 8 because of this passage uh, you know uh, I um tend to like to understand what I'm going to teach and and so I had a little bit of anxiety oh no I've looked at this for months and months actually since May 21 2011 it's been years and and I, I still felt I don't understand what, why all these various time um, uh, periods are given, and and the doves going forth, and and why, why, what, what, what is all this picturing? 
And yet now, yet now I have to say that I am starting to like this chapter so much. It's becoming one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because I think it's one of the most encouraging for the elect, for God's people at this time, because we can clearly relate and identify with the 17th day of the second month as the start of Judgment Day, so we know what follows has to do with what comes after Judgment Day. And here in chapter 8, the Lord is just carefully letting us know, carefully encouraging us in the same way that he encouraged Noah and, and his family historically. Of course, they were encouraged in the same way on one hand, but much differently. That They were encouraged to finally leaving the ark and, and starting over in this present world. But we are being encouraged that God's judgment will not last forever, that God's judgment will be completed, and that God is very mindful of his promises, and that he will fulfill them. And he is, as it were, in preparation, making ready this new creation, and we are on the right road. We are in Christ, in hiding in the ark, and we are continuing in the proper way, this way that will soon, shortly, lead to the door opening and are coming forth into a new heaven and new earth. And 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 so just as the olive leaf encouraged them, the olive leaf is an encouragement to us. Notice verse 11 again. When the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. Why in her mouth? Couldn't God have just said the dove came in with an olive leaf plucked off? But he makes a point of letting us know it was in her mouth. Now, of course, it had to be in her mouth, but but why does God tell us that? Well, the Hebrew word translated as mouth, pay, is also translated at times as word, commandment, um, speech, and of course, it identifies with the word of God, because... The word of God comes forth from the mouth of God. And the dove represents the Holy Spirit. Well, what is the mouth of the Holy Spirit? The mouth of the Holy Spirit is the word of God, the Bible. The Bible. So here God is indicating in those days after that tribulation, our present time, when the people of God are hidden in Christ and it is judgment day and the people of God are waiting for this entry into the new creation that the Holy Spirit will reveal in her mouth, that is through the word of God, the Bible, evidence or proof that we are near 
um, leaving the day of judgment and entering into the glorious eternal future. The, the wonderful future the Bible has foretold. You see, the Bible, the scripture presents the evidence that we are about to enter the promised land of the kingdom of God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.